Ephesians now for a while, and we're in chapter 5, looking at what a lot of people refer to as the household code, God's instruction for men, women, husbands, wives, children, all that kind of stuff, and we finally come to it. I've been threatening for three weeks to talk to the husbands, and multiple times I've said something like, well, we're going to get to this more when we get to that. Well, guess what? We're here. <laughs> so this is, this is a good morning, and I'm looking forward to this. Having seen what it looks like for a wife to submit to her husband in a way that honors Christ, and then last week, having looked at what Christ has done for the church and set an example, we now come to what the Bible says about men and biblical manhood. And I say men rather than just husbands, even though this section is applied directly to husbands, all the things that we're going to see here as far as conduct and leadership and responsibility apply to every Christian man, regardless of your marital status. Some of this will sound like a repeat because we're looking at things again this morning that we've already looked at. Some will be new information, but my goal this morning in this sermon is to convince you to take seriously the role that God has placed you in as a man. And wives and, and ladies, you need to listen too so you can hold the men in your life accountable to this. But God has intentionally and purposefully put all of us in some kind of a position and it's very important that we understand what the Bible says about this issue. There's so much tendency in our culture right now for smoothing all the differences over and just making everything be the same. Everything's equal. There's no longer a good cultural definition for masculinity, not as the Bible has it. So we need to pay attention and we need to see what God has for us. Being a biblical husband, being a biblical man has less to do with physical ability or strength. It has to do with our understanding about the responsibility that God has placed on us. So this isn't something that you can say, well, I'm just, that's not for me, and that's, that's for someone else. No, this is for you. This is for me. And this is what we need to hear this morning. So I want to get right to it. So if you haven't done so, open your Bibles. And I'm going to read this section again, uh, Ephesians 5. I'm going to start in verse 25, and we'll read through the end of the section, and we'll pray and begin for the morning. So Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25. Follow along as I read. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that, she might, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you see that he loves his wife, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Would you pray with me? Father, it is a joy to come now again and to be able to open your word together, corporately, the ways that you have provided for us to meet in this 
facility and the way that you have orchestrated all the events of our life to bring us right here, right now, so that we can hear the instruction from your word. And I pray the words that we just sang, Lord, that you would show us Christ, that you would open our ears to hear what your word says, open the eyes of our heart that we would see, and not just see, but that we would see and believe that this word is true. So I pray for grace in the preaching, and I pray for grace in the hearing, and would Jesus Christ be praised. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Two weeks ago, I defined biblical headship. I don't know if you remember that from the sermon a couple weeks ago. And I said that biblical headship is the God-given sacrificial leadership that prioritizes the good of those under its care. So kind of three components to that definition. God-given, sacrificial, prioritizes the good of those under its care. And I use that now as my framework moving into these teachings and this instruction on what it means to be a biblical husband. I use it because not only do I think it's a good definition, I think it's a biblical definition. I'm not just making this up. This is what I see when I read the text here. Everything that we talk about this morning, all the language of authority and responsibility and leadership and all that stuff, I want to fall within the bounds of this biblical definition. If a husband abuses his authority... He is not prioritizing the good of those under his care. He's acting selfishly. If he doesn't recognize that the authority he has is given to him by God, he's going to view himself as the highest form of authority in the relationship. Okay, And if he is not prioritizing the good of those under his care, leading sacrificially, the people under his care will shrivel. They'll become malnourished. Spiritually, emotionally, maybe even physically. This is why the Bible gives us the example of Christ. Not just to keep us from error, you know, in a negative sense, but to tell us what we are to do. And we should be very thankful as we come across things like this in the scriptures that the Bible doesn't only say, thou shalt not do such and such. It says that, but it also says, here's how you should live. Here's what you ought to do in the power of the Holy Spirit that God gives through his word. So that's why we need this text, and that's what we're going to see today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to the same three verses that we covered last week, verses 25, 26, and 27, and rather pointing out what Christ has done, that's what we did last week, we're going to take these same things and apply them now to the role of the husband. That's Paul's aim in this text. He says, okay, here's what Jesus Christ did for the church. Now husbands, know that and put this into practice in the way that you love and care for your wife. I do this because in verse 25, Paul says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, now that we know how Christ loved the church, we saw that last week, I think we can move ahead and apply these things. So three main points this morning. First, this comes from verse 25. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So husbands are to give themselves for their wife. This is where I get the sacrificial part of my definition of biblical headship. Last week we saw that Christ has demonstrated his love 
by giving himself up for the church. Remember this language? And we talked about the atonement and all the other ways that Christ does this. So what does that look like for a husband? What does it mean that a husband should give himself up for his wife? Marriage is, and maybe you're aware of this, marriage is an act of selflessness. Marriage is all about selflessness. You take two individuals who have different backgrounds, different history, they've lived independently, they have their own way of paying bills, preparing food, uh, doing all this kind of stuff, and you bring them together and you say, okay, you're married, now live happily ever after. Oh dear. Right? You chuckle because you know that that's true. There is selflessness and sacrifice that is required in a marriage relationship. And Paul's instruction is to make sure that husbands take the lead in this sacrifice, that they set the example just as Christ has done. Husbands, you are to love your wives by letting go of what you think you are entitled to and prioritizing the good of your wife. It's what it means to give yourself up for her. Notice, when Paul is going through this, 25, 26, 27, there is no language about only doing this when it's convenient. There's no language about only doing this if she's acting worthy of it or if she's promised to do the same thing for you. Sacrificial male leadership is not reciprocal. You don't wait until she says, okay, I'll do this back to you if you do that. That is not here. This is something you are called to. This is not something that's conditioned on the attitude or circumstances surrounding you. Make sense? There's no exceptions here. You can't say, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't look at the world, look at the church and say, okay, I'm going to wait until these people get their act together and I'm going to wait until they promise that they're going to do the same thing to me. We would all be lost if that were the case. We saw last week that Jesus does not do that. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, enemies, of his. Now your wife is not your enemy, but you get the point, right? You are called to love her by giving yourself up for her. Jesus did this through sacrifice, and as husbands, we are called to do this through sacrifice. So, what are some of the things you might have to sacrifice? You could probably fill in a lot of blanks here. I'm going to give us three examples. First, you might be called to sacrifice time. The things that you formerly spent time on that were important to you, that you prioritized, you may have to give those things up for the good of your wife. The time that you spent investing in self-care or things that only concerned you now will be spent caring for her. You lay aside your own preference and you prefer your wife. Number two, you're called to lay down or to give up personal goals or ambitions sometimes. Things that maybe you've been planning for or dreaming about for years and maybe it's a vocational ambition. Maybe you're planning to take this other position but when you think about it, this is going to move you away from your family. This is going to take you away from them for more time or whatever. Are you willing to lay aside your own ambition, your own priority for the good of your wife? I'm not saying this is always the case. I'm just saying, have you thought about this? It's one of the things you might be called to do. You're called to lay down and lay aside comfort. Anytime we talk about 
prioritizing the good of others, there is a cost involved. There just is. And that's the way it should be. And as husbands who are called to do this, to give ourselves up for our wives, you will be put in a situation that is uncomfortable. Like dinner with your in-laws. I'm just kidding. Mine aren't here, so I can say that. Now, you might think that these are like, this is, oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I was planning on this. This was my plan. I don't know if I can give that stuff up. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't think that way? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, well, I had this, I had this plan. And I'm not going to deviate from that just to care for those sinful, dirty people. No. No, he lays himself down. He lets go of what was rightfully his. And he gives himself up for the church, which is exactly what you are called to do as a husband. If Jesus can come to earth, live the life that he lived, lay down his life for his church, for his bride, I think you can miss a few tea times to invest in your wife. Or whatever. Less time on your phone. Less time with your video games. I don't understand. Never mind. I won't say anything. Um... Whatever that means for you, you are called to give yourself up for your wife, for her good, for her growth. So prioritize that. Now, one thing I think it's really important to add at this point of the discussion, it's kind of a distinction, but sometimes a man is willing to give himself up in areas that are hypothetical, but he's never actually willing to do it in actual situations. Okay? Here's what I mean. Sometimes men will say something like, oh man, if someone breaks into my house and is hurting my wife, I'm going I'm to take care of that. I'm going to go after her. I'm going to defend her. I'm going to stand up for her. And you should. You're the one called to stand between. You're the one called to go downstairs when the noise happens. But sometimes we think about our selflessness in terms of these big, epic things. And Paul is not calling us to give ourselves up in some sort of epic gun battle. He is calling you to the daily, sacrificial, sometimes annoying things that you are called to lay down for the good of your wife. Yes, you protect her. Yes, you stand between her and danger. But don't leave that in a hypothetical sphere where it's just like the big, monumental things. Good. The chances of that happening are very small, Lord willing. What about the daily things? What about the inconvenience? What about not doing what you had planned for her benefit? That's what it means to give ourselves up for her. Next, number two. We see that a husband should take the lead spiritually in the marriage relationship. The husband should take the lead spiritually in the marriage relationship. This is verse 26 of chapter 5. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Last week we saw that Christ does this ministry, this cleansing work, through his word and the power of his Holy Spirit. Remember that from when we talked about this. And there's a very important distinction that we need to make here. As men, we are called to imitate Christ. We do not replicate Christ. We imitate him in the sense that we observe what he did, we learn, we read the Bible, and we say, okay, this is what Christ did, now I'm going to do the same thing. Replication is like an exact one-to-one. Well, we cannot do exactly what God did. You cannot atone for the sins of your wife. You buy a replica of a car. It is an exact 
replica, right? Every little detail. That's not this. We imitate. We model our behavior after what Jesus Christ has done. So when we talk about spiritual leadership, specifically here in verse 26, we must point out that as husbands, we cannot sanctify anyone in the same way Jesus can. We cannot cleanse anyone in the same way that he can, but we can lead our wives to Christ. We can give the word to her. We can minister to her spiritual needs. And in so doing, we are modeling, we are imitating what Jesus Christ did for the church. So make sure that you don't take this on and have a skewed view of what's going on here, that we do not sanctify your wife in the way that Christ did, but you lead her to Jesus so that his word and his spirit can do the work that only he can do. Spiritual leadership, hear me on this, is the most important aspect of a Christian marriage. The most important is spiritual leadership. You can have the best communication. You can have the best intimacy, the best parenting, the best financial stability. But if you are spiritually devoid, if there is no leadership, no coming to Christ for help, no looking to him for your example, it's worthless. Who cares if you can communicate well if you don't know God? Spiritual leadership, leading your wife in a sacrificial way is the most important area. It is the number one area that a husband is called to, I believe, from the scriptures. What I mean is that by God's design, the husband is responsible. That's a really important word. There's going to be a couple really important words today. That's one of them. The husband is responsible for the spiritual health of his wife. Now, what do I mean by responsible? What I mean is that the husband's duty is to shepherd his wife. You know what a shepherd does? What does a shepherd do? He cares. cares for his sheep. He provides for them. He protects them. Defends them. Leads them to places where they can feed and be nourished and clean water and all that kind of stuff. Okay? Take that imagery and apply it now to the husband. His job is to do all of those things spiritually for his wife. This means, I mean, these are all tying together. Can you see how this all fits together? So all the stuff that we talked about earlier, all of the you know, laying aside of things, this all is the same conversation. There will be times, men, husbands, when you just don't feel like doing this. It's hard work. I'm not saying that it's easy to lead your wife spiritually. But it is what you are called to. There are going to be days when she is acting unlovable and you just don't feel like it. You're going to come home and be so tired that it's just easier to watch TV than to do the hard work. But this is what you are called to by God. And this is what Christ has modeled. And I would remind you, as I said before, there's, there's no qualifying statement here. Paul does not say in any way If you feel like it, here's how you ought to act. None of us really ever feel like it. Which is why Paul doesn't ground this on feelings. He grounds it on the objective work of Christ and says, You see that? See what Christ did? You do the same. And men, you need to be prepared to lead your wife in this way. If you are a young man and you're thinking about marriage, if you are not prepared to lead your wife in this way, you are not prepared to be married. 
if a Christian couple comes to me and they want me to marry them and he is not willing to lead his wife in this way and she is not willing to submit in the way that the Bible lays out, I will not do that. Not until they understand this text. Not until they understand what God is calling both of them to. Spiritual leadership and responsibility are Jesus' primary concern for the church and they ought to be the number one priority for the husband. To lead his wife Spiritually, he is responsible. Now, a distinction that needs to be made again. Here's another important word. There is a difference between responsibility and authority. Okay, there's a difference between responsibility and authority. Authority must be given. Okay, God has given to the husband a place, a position of authority in the marriage relationship. Responsibility, on the other hand, is something that can and should be taken. You take responsibility. You do not take authority. You following me so far? See the difference in these things? The problem comes when those two things are reversed or confused. When someone tries to take a position of authority without ever taking responsibility. This is where we get into trouble as men and women, but we're talking about men right now. When we try to go after one without the other, we want the power, we want the recognition, we want the prominence that comes with authority, but we're seldom willing to take the responsibility that comes with that. We will, oftentimes, because of our sin, because of our natural way that we're made, we try to put ourselves in positions of authority. But men who go after responsibility will find that authority follows. Take the responsibility, be faithful in this thing, and responsibility follows. Doug Wilson says it this way, authority flows to those who take responsibility, but it flees from those who try to evade responsibility. Or maybe Jesus said it better. This is Luke 16, 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. See what I'm saying? The difference between responsibility and authority. If you try and take the position of authority in your marriage and you want your wife to respect you and submit to you, I'm the man, this is my position, and yet you never take responsibility for shepherding her and leading her and sacrificing for her, you're going to end up with neither. Neither responsibility or authority. God has designed it in such a way that the man is to take responsibility for the leading and the shepherding and the growth and the spiritual development of his wife. And from that pursuit of responsibility, she will respect him. He will be in that position. So if that's what you're after, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, but if it's the respect that comes with the position, then listen to me, men, you must first take responsibility. That is the right order, biblically speaking. Be responsible. Don't just go after the position. Don't leverage that authority that God has given you and try to domineer over her. That's not right. Take responsibility. Understand the role that God has placed you in. And do it with intentionality. This is where Adam failed in the garden. Big time. Big failure, right? He should have taken responsibility for leading Eve 
He should have considered the role God placed him in more carefully. And as we read Genesis 3 in this heartbreaking account of Adam's abdication, his leaving aside of his responsibility, we see that not only does he not take responsibility, he blames Eve. He, he puts it on her. The, the, the woman you gave me, she, she told me, to, it's her fault, she did it. That's like husband of the year material. As I said earlier, where Adam failed, Christ succeeds. And again, I'm so thankful that we don't just have Adam in Scripture, we have Christ. We have a model, we have an example. And one of the things that we need to understand about marriage, and husbands, this is for you, we need to understand that marriage is a covenant, not a contract. We were listening to Adventures in Odyssey last night, and one of the characters said something about the marriage contract, and I yelled at the radio, I said, it's not a contract, it's a covenant. That's the kind of stuff I do at home. As the covenant head of his people, Christ stands and he takes responsibility for his people, for our development, for our growth. He facilitates that. And as the covenant head of the marriage, the husband is responsible in the same ways for the development and the nurturing and the growth, spiritually speaking, of his wife. If more Christians understood this reality, I think we would have a lot less trouble. A lot less problem if we understand that men, husbands, you have been placed in this unbelievably unique position to lead and to exercise this God-given authority, not for the control of your wife, but for her good. You are to take the lead spiritually with her. Take the responsibility. Marriage is not a game. It's not a joke. It's not something to be entered into lightly. It is a picture. And it is a high honor for men to be called to imitate Christ in this area. And we cannot do it apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Applying the word of God to us in a way that we say, okay, I see where I've gone off. I need a course correction. What does the Bible say? I want to be faithful in this area of leadership. And we see what Christ has done and we imitate that in our life. So just as Christ works through his word and through his spirit to lead and shepherd the church, the husband is called to do the same thing with his wife. Practically, here comes the next big word that we need to know. This means that the husband is to take initiative. The husband is to take initiative in areas of spiritual development. To take initiative means that you have the power or the opportunity to act before anyone else and you do it. You get in there. You don't wait and kind of hang back in the weeds and say, oh, I wonder how this is going to play out. Nope. You jump in there and you lead her and you set the example. You take the initiative in this area. Don't wait for your wife to have to remind you, hey, we need to read the scriptures. That's your job. Don't wait for her to lead in areas of spirituality in your home. That is your responsibility as the covenant head of your marriage. Christ didn't wait for that, remember, just like we said earlier. He didn't wait for us to take the initiative. He saves us by his grace while we were enemies of his. So husband, don't wait for her. Take the initiative in areas of spiritual leadership and development. 
Do you encourage your wife in the daily reading of the scriptures? Do you encourage her to take advantage of more mature women who can disciple her and invest in her? Do you make time in your family schedule so that she can be in a Bible study, that she can grow and be nurtured and cared for? Look, I know with young families this can be really difficult. With every family. But specifically when you got kids running around, you got all this other kind of stuff, sometimes the last thing on your mind as a husband is making sure that she is getting cared for. It's not the way it ought to be. The husband should take initiative to ensure that his wife is being spiritually cared for. You ought to be the first one out the door on a Sunday morning. Come on, let's go. Let's get to church. Let's be on time. You'll be the first one to encourage her growth, encourage her development, give her the tools she needs, buy her resources, do what you have to do because this is the role that you have been called to in your marriage. As a pastor, I will answer to God for how I shepherded this church. I'm responsible. And as a husband, you will answer to God for how you shepherded your wife. You are responsible. Now this doesn't mean, and I think I need to clarify this, this does not mean that you have to do everything that needs doing spiritually in your home. Okay? This doesn't mean that your wife can never open the Bible or read or lead or whatever. But initiative says that you make it happen. You delegate, you whatever, okay? My point is don't sit back and wait for her to do this. I don't do everything that needs to be done in the church. I can't. The elders do not do everything that gets done here. We delegate to gifted people who do things way better than we can. Likewise, in your marriage, you you are not the only one. Primary, maybe. Responsible, yes. Initiative taker, yes. But you're not the only one. Tiff does an amazing job with our boys in this area. As part of their school, they do devotions together. They do Bible journaling where they just copy Scripture out as part of their curriculum. And as a husband, I rejoice in that. I don't come along and say, whoa, wait a minute, did you just open the Bible? That's my job. I'm the head. I'm the husband. What a ridiculous thought. I am thrilled that she invests in our boys and in herself that way, but I am the one responsible for them (laughs) because I am the husband. I have been placed in that position by God. So the husband is to take the lead, take the initiative spiritually in the marriage relationship. And we could go on and on and on about examples of this. But we need to keep going. So third and lastly, the husband should prepare his wife for the future. Husband should prepare his wife for the future. Verse 27, Ephesians 5. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Last week we saw that Christ is bringing his people, bringing his church through all of these different experiences so that he can present the church to himself clean. In this world, Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. And part of what it means for a husband to prepare his wife for the future is to make sure that she has foundation under her feet. 
Okay, when I say you should prepare your wife for the future, I'm not talking about stocking up distilled water and toilet paper in your garage. Okay, that's not the kind of preparation we're thinking here. I'm talking, are you preparing her to suffer? Are you preparing her for the reality of this world? Does she know what the Bible teaches, that everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution? Does she know Jesus' words that by many afflictions we enter the kingdom of God? Does she know that living a holy life, abiding in Christ, following after him, will not go easy? Are you preparing her for the future? Jesus did that for the church. He gave us his word. He strengthens us through things. He's bringing us on to home, to glory. Are you doing that for your wife? Are you preparing her for the future? The best way that you can do this, okay? The very best way that you can prepare your wife for the future is to put under her feet an unshakable foundation that is built on the word of God. There's really nothing that you personally have to offer her that will prepare her for the future. Sorry. I know you're all great. You're probably all the best husband. She needs the word. She needs the Bible. She needs foundation that will not be shaken regardless of what the future brings. That is what you are called to prepare her for. Does she know what the Bible says? It's your responsibility, husbands, to do this for your wife. Is your wife prone to worry? She get fearful about what's coming? Then build under her a foundation. Lead her to the word of God. Tell her what it says. Talk about it with her. Prepare her for the future. Proverbs 31 describes this kind of woman. Kind of woman who's made the Lord her refuge. Who has been led by sacrificial, God-given leadership. Proverbs 31.25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. The job of the husband is to so prepare his wife that when she looks to the future, when she uses the discernment and the wisdom that God has given her and she sees what's coming, she's not terrified. She's not shaking in her shoes because she has confidence Because you, as the head of your home, as the one responsible for her spiritual development, have helped her build a foundation on the word of God. That's what we're called to do. That's what Christ has done. That's what we're called to. Christ is even now, like we said last week, preparing us for this future by giving us his word, giving us his spirit, and sustaining us and strengthening us for these times to come. And this is what Christian husbands are called to imitate. So, men, give yourself up for your wife. Take the initiative and lead in matters of spiritual growth and development in your home and use the word of God to put a foundation underneath her so that she is prepared for the future. All of this built right here on the word of God. That's what you're called to. And in the strength that God supplies, you can do it. You can do it. 
only in the strength that God gives through his spirit. So this sounds really unattainable (laughs) today. If this sounds kind of out of reach, like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize there was so much involved in this. You should feel inadequate, because you are. And so am I. But God gives grace. God gives help. He'll give it to you. So, give yourself up for her. Lead her spiritually. Prepare her for the future. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for Ephesians 5. And thank you for the example that you have set for us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can have the confidence, Lord, that we, we don't have to just rely upon our own strength, our own ability, our own circumstances. But you have called us to this work. And in the calling, you also equip us through the work of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we ask for your help. I pray that every man here, every husband here, would take seriously the position you've placed him in. That we would go after responsibility. That we would take initiative to shepherd our wives. And God, would you give us strength by your spirit to do this in a way that honors you and brings glory to your name, not to ours. And we ask for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen.